0: Welcome to episode 9 of the Revolution Podcast, where I, your host Ryan, sit down with industry experts to discuss the latest trends in e-mobility, clean tech, and the future of transportation. Today I'm joined by Ahmed Samir El-Bembali, a sustainable mobility expert based in the UAE, who's currently part of the Middle East and North Africa Clean Energy Business Council and the World Economic Forum's Global New Mobility Coalition, working on innovative EV charging infrastructure projects for the past three years in the UAE and Egypt. Ahmed is currently pursuing his MBA in Sustainable Mobility Management at the Technical University of Berlin. Into the episode we go. Welcome to the podcast, Ahmed. I'd like to start by asking about your background in the industry and where your passion originated.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so um, I, I graduated with Bachelor in Aerospace Engineering from um, University in Egypt. And during my bachelor, I actually um, started working on uh, a lot of EV projects, and that's how I got excited and um, interested in the sector. Okay. So during my bachelor, we used to manufacture a lot of uh, like hyper-electric vehicles, sort sort of powered vehicles, even hyper which was electric as, as well. And all of these were for university uh, competitions. So mm-hmm. starting uh, immediately after my bachelor, I started um, a startup to, uh, doing some uh, EV uh, trying solutions, um, including battery swapping, which eventually didn't work, but it was a, a very good experience. And that's how I got into the field. Um, with the time I started to be in a uh, diet right community. So I started, uh, I
0: started to be part of different projects in the UAE and recently in Egypt as well. So you're currently working with Catech Mobility. I'd love to hear about your role at Catech Mobility and what you're doing as a company.
1: Of course. So Catec actually started in 2018. Um, uh, Catec Mobility, it's a subsidy of uh, Catec LLC. Yeah. And what Catec Mobility does is uh, it provides electric vehicle charging solutions to um, the GCC region. And so uh, it's currently active in the UAE and Jordan. And when I say solutions, EV charging solutions, it's not only the hardware, so provide hardware, software. Um, uh, We provide also some consultancy and advisory services um, for uh, customers. And we work mainly with enterprises. Uh, We mainly provide the service to enterprises. Recently, we also started to look at uh, individuals as well. Uh, so, Catech Mobility is currently the official reseller for EVBox, and both the UAE and Jordan, and very soon uh, would be for the whole MENA region, excluding Egypt. Uh, and we have noticed actually, uh, the market has been going very fast for us, and we are very excited about what's coming next uh, for
0: Karthik Mobility. Okay, great. And you're originally from Egypt. Would you say that the country is aiming to promote sustainability and, in particular, sustainable transportation to younger generations?
1: Uh, honestly, I think I was lucky because um, okay. I got into a university which is unique in Egypt. It's called, um, you know, th- there's one person who got Nobel Prize in chemistry. He's uh, only our person. His name is Ahmed Zweil. Okay. And he spent most of his time in the U.S. And eventually he figured out that he needs to do something for his country. So he, he went back to Egypt and they started this university. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, um, it's uh, a research-based university. I, th- I think it's the first one in the region in, in this, uh, with this mission and vision. Okay. So I was very lucky to be part of this university. We have um, a very unique programs. One of them uh, was the one I was studying. I was actually studying aerospace engineering, as I mentioned. And the focus was mainly about the issues that are facing the society, the Egyptian society and the Arab society. Mm-hmm. So one of them was sustainability and the climate change. And that's, I think, uh, it's, not, it's not the mainstream in Egypt, but I think, as I mentioned, uh, I was lucky to be part of uh, this community and uh, be a student at this university.
0: Okay, so perhaps there are some opportunities for young people to learn about sustainability in Egypt. So you're currently based in the UAE. How would you assess the current state of EV adoption?
1: Yeah, I I think the UAE market is very interesting. Um, They got a very, very um, uh, visionary leadership, which um, has been moving everything from the top down. So you see a leadership that has recently adopted a vision to diversify the economy from oil oil and gas uh, to sustainability and uh, other renewable energy projects you see a lot of investment has been made into uh, many, many uh, renewable energy projects. Like Dubai has the largest uh, s- uh, solar PV uh, park in the world. And there's too many other projects. though, like uh, one of the most popular projects in the world for uh, sustainability and renewable energy. And recently, the, um, uh, also it's, the different emits have different goals in terms of the electrification plans.
0: Yeah, this is something I was actually really intrigued about to see whether the different Emirates have different policies and approaches to EV adoption.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Which uh, sometimes it's a challenge, but at the same time, sometimes it's also opportunities for the companies Uh, For example, now uh, Dubai is uh, the leader in terms of uh, of the EV adoption and the EV incentives for both the manufacturers and the EV owners. Mm -hmm. I think uh, we'll speak about this. I can speak about this now. Yes, sure. Um, Yeah. So uh, Dubai, they started in 2015. They started something called, so Dubai, they have an entity called DIWA, which is Dubai Electricity and Water Authority. And it's the main organization or authority that's responsible for the EV agenda in terms of the infrastructure, along with RTA, which is Dubai Road and Transport Authority.
0: And okay. RTA is
1: mainly focusing on parking, uh, the toll, uh, anything from the, once the vehicle is already in the road and some other, some incentives for the vehicle itself. Uh, but the US comes from the infrastructure side mainly. So, they, well, they launched something called Dubai um, uh, EV, charger, uh, uh, EV Charger Initiative. And what they did actually is very interesting. They started uh, from, uh, the, it's called the uh, Dubai uh, EV Green Charger Initiative. And what they did is actually um, they installed uh, more than 240 charging, public charging stations. And they decided, okay, we're going to make the public charging completely for free.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: And the main purpose for this is to encourage more people to actually uh, buy EVs. Because back then, uh, there was no awareness about what's EV, how environmentally friendly it is to uh, uh, the world, uh, etc. Um, okay. And most of the people think it's only for the rich people, um, which sometimes when, especially in Dubai, when you launch new vehicles and somehow supported by the government, most of the people think it's uh, it's some sort of luxury. Yeah. But they did that and they kept expanding uh, uh, the period through when the ch- charging is free till now, actually, it's uh, the end of 2020, uh, 2021. And so right now, there's more than, I think, 600 public charging stations in dubai alone and all of them you can use them completely for free and by the way dubai is the second intense city worldwide in terms of the charging points per electric vehicle
0: yeah i was actually going to ask about the proportionality of ev charging stations to electric vehicle
1: yeah so so right now there's uh, i think around 2200 electric vehicles on the road in dubai alone uh, versus uh, almost as I mentioned, almost 580 public charging stations. That's uh, uh, doesn't include the uh, home chargers uh, or the private chargers. Okay. Uh, and I think if you divide that, that's almost one third. Uh, like for every for every uh, three cars, there is one uh, charger available, okay. uh, which makes it, as I mentioned, the second uh, intensity. Uh, after Amsterdam, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. uh, Abu Dhabi is a little bit behind because Abu Dhabi actually started um, putting the incentives and regulations uh, only recently. Uh, recently, I think they have launched um, one of the policies is that um, for any new building, at least 1% of the parking uh, spaces has to be equipped with a charging station, mm-hmm. which is a very good, uh, like uh, I think this would be a very good push to the AV infrastructure in Abu Dhabi. So uh, uh, most of the people when you see UAE, they think uh, it's mainly Dubai, but uh, what people don't know is actually uh, Abu Dhabi alone is two thirds of the whole area of the UAE.
0: Okay, so Abu Dhabi and Dubai obviously compose two of the seven Emirates in the UAE. What about the other five?
1: I think they are also maybe, um, uh, doing uh, very good steps, especially Masachayma. Uh, they just launched it, I think, almost one week ago. Okay. Their uh, energy efficiency strategy. Okay. And uh, uh, EVs was uh, has a section in this, and uh, I think they are focusing more on the infrastructure within the coming uh, month. So I think Masachayma, I think we will see some good news uh, from Masachayma coming out within the next few months, as I mentioned. The okay. other Emirates, uh, they already have some of them, I think, like Fujairah, they have some charging stations already in place, but it's mainly through uh, private uh, sector, like you'll find most of them at the hotels.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: these hotels mainly install them as a the service for their customers, uh, especially the Tesla owners. Um, but I think from a uh, point of view, I think there's still a lot of effort that needs to be done um, at these other Emirates.
0: So the next thing I wanted to touch on was the country of your origin egypt and what you see as the main differences between the state of ev adoption in egypt and the uae
1: absolutely there's a huge difference okay. so egypt as you know it's it's over 100 million uh, the population and uh, it's it's very different like if you're in cairo cairo the greater cairo alone it has over 20 million people live in one city like yeah in, it's not one city like the greater cairo, cairo which is Uh few cities and uh, also there's a lot of differences in the cultures between uh, the different segments of people which makes the implementation of any strategy very very challenging of any Uh policy etc very challenging and also understanding the needs of the different parts is also very challenging So uh, uh, I think in in 2018 the government decided that we want a lot of EV uh, used electric vehicle models to be available in the market. So they allowed the the import of um, used EVs, especially the European ones, without tax. Yeah. Okay. And that's I think that was uh, the 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 tipping point. So a lot of people started started to import a lot of uh, used EVs. But here comes the challenge. Because of the lack of of knowledge, awareness, experience, Um, some of the stakeholders who used to import these uh, didn't actually do it in the right way. That's my opinion. So they didn't raise the necessary awareness so that they can build the base based on which they can actually start selling these EVs Mm -hmm. and build the infrastructure. So they started importing these EVs and just launching um, uh, some uh models that I think were not uh the right models for the for the market there. So uh I think till this moment all of this were in 2018 until today um the uh I think there's a lot of confusion, misunderstanding from the Egyptian market to EVs. Most of them still think it's uh, it's a gadget, it's not really a vehicle that can travel mm-hmm. in between in, uh, for a long distance uh, just for uh Moving in gated communities. Um, uh, some people don't actually believe that uh, charging is now can take you up to 40 minutes, one hour max. They think it's, you have to charge it for a very, very long time. Yep. There's some basic misconceptions still in the Egyptian market. Um, so I think there's a lot of effort that still needs to be done um, in Egypt. That's um, that's a point from our point of view. The other point is. Um, uh there are two or used to be two i think it's now only one because one of the 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 two companies i think the on almost bankrupted because they had some internal issues so there Mm. are two uh uh, charging point operators in egypt who installed. they bought most of the investment and they installed a lot of charging stations mainly in the gas stations and uh, now uh, also because in egypt you can't sell electricity so, okay. they had to actually uh, provide, the, find other business models to actually go around this. So, uh, most of them were actually providing electricity for free and uh, they were trying to like, provide it based on the membership but it didn't work because the membership was too expensive and people didn't find uh, the whole model. In, in Egypt also, it's very difficult to convince people to look at the, the whole life cycle costing. Yes. It's not really about the initial investment, it's about how uh, much would achieve on the long term. So it's also, uh, it's not uh, the, the Egyptian culture, so it's it might be a bit challenging as well. So uh, in conclusion, what I think Egypt needs to do is mainly, um, it should start again from the government to put some efforts and raising awareness about what's EV. And also, um, I think there's still some regulations need to be put in place uh, to facilitate the import of uh, different uh, EV models. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also for uh, the different companies to invest in the infrastructure. Uh, another point is there's a lot of organizations, government organizations in Egypt, to own um, uh, larger fleets. So that's something UAE has done has done already, okay. which is to electrify the fleet of the government. That's a very good step. At the same time, to be also fair, Egypt has done some uh, interesting projects in terms of the public um, uh, transport. To, um, so there's now some, I think, ten electric buses are running uh, in Alexandria. So um, okay. I think few years ago they started this uh, the testing phase, and they, uh, and all of them, I think, are BYD uh, buses. So there's um, uh, there's also some good partnerships with some tri- Chinese automakers. So this the public electrifying the public transit. I think there's a very um, uh, good segment as well that needs more focus from the Egyptian government and has a lot of potential.
0: Yeah, and it's fascinating to learn about Egypt's current state of EVs and what they can do to develop even further. Moving on, some people might see the irony in the fact that the UAE has built much of its wealth on oil resources, yet electric vehicles are almost the polar opposite and perhaps even a threat to this market. What are your opinions on that?
1: Um, Yeah, that's a very good point actually, but uh, just to also clarify, uh, when you say oil and gas, it's actually mostly coming from Abu Dhabi. Like if you look at the other emirates, even Dubai doesn't okay. have that much oil. Um, it's uh, Dubai is mainly dependent on um, the uh, uh, tourism, okay. uh, the port. Dubai has one of the biggest ports in the world, uh, and also the the, the business. Like um, uh, there's a lot of companies that has uh, that have their HQ based in Dubai as, as a regional hub. Uh, okay. or the hub for this region, but it doesn't have that much uh, oil and gas. So if you talk about uh, Abu Dhabi uh, being uh, an oil exporter, I mentioned at the beginning that the country, the whole country uh, has recently a lot of plans to diversify the economy and focus more on exporting this as much as you can from oil and gas and uh, uh like, like, i tell you something, like, Dubai, they have um, a vision that by 2050, they would have 90% of their electricity is coming from renewable sources. And there's some talks that this actually might be earlier than this. Uh, so cu- currently, I think the, um, the Mohammed bin Rashid Solar Park supply, if I'm not mistaken, almost 8% or 7.5% of the electricity consumption of Dubai. Uh, and by 2030, this would go up to 30%, and as I mentioned, by 20 uh, for, uh, by 2040, they want to go uh, they want this to go up to uh, 80 85% of the electricity usage uh, for the whole uh, amount. Okay, um, and, and and this is a pl- a plan that the leadership has put actually in different sectors. It's not not only in sustainability, and uh, diversifying the economy from oil and gas. It's also uh, on the startup um, level. There's a lot of uh, support for any company that's working uh, working to on sustainability topics, and all the emirates, not just uh, Abu Dhabi or Dubai. Uh, a lot of investment have been made in different startups working on sustainability, climate change, uh, like energy, water, etc. Mm-hmm. So there's a clear vision, and that's the, that's that's how it works in, in this region. Um, uh, it's much easier if uh, once you have the government support to actually uh, implement and expand uh, uh, the scope uh, on these topics so i expect that within the within the coming uh, few years uh, you'll find this region actually um, i think one of the leaders in uh, sustainability and even electric vehicles
0: okay so i actually wanted to move on to your education and the mba you're currently completing Um, So you're doing that in Berlin, and I was interested in whether you'd actually noticed any big differences between EV adoption and maybe even the kind of perception of EVs in Germany uh, in comparison to the UAE.
1: So um, the German market is um, started much earlier than uh, the UAE, I think. So uh, there's uh, absolutely, you can expect that there's more EV models available. Um, I actually, I'm doing my, the campus, I'm doing my master's at, it's called uh, UF campus, you might be familiar with it. Yes. And yeah, so, and UF campus because it's actually carbon neutral since 20, I think, 26, uh, 2006, sorry. Uh, So 2007, something like this. So I can actually spot more than 11, like sometimes I actually even have like 12, 13 different electric models parking in the same parking lot. So uh, that gives you um, an idea uh, how, um, um, the, about the difference between the two markets. So there's a lot of EV models, which usually this has a, a huge impact on actually the adoption. Because if people have a lot of choices, usually they're most more likely to buy uh, one of them. Uh, which is one of the main, one of the challenges also in the UAE. There's there's no uh, that many choices yet for the uh, customer. Especially this actually interesting point. So, the UAE uh, uh, has most of the roads are actually highways. So, that's why the culture is more into um, SUVs. And if you look at the kind of um, EV models that are currently available in the UAE, most of them are actually sedan vehicles and even uh, small sedan vehicles. And the only one that's SUV so far is the Tesla Model X. And that's why you, most likely you find a lot of uh, Model X uh, in uh, the UAE. In Germany, it's not the case. Uh, so you'll find all the different vehicles Always, um, I think, some balance distribution. Um, the other thing is uh, infrastructure. It's a little bit advanced as well. It's very clear. You'll find uh, many, many companies and uh, even utility uh, utilities as well are into this um, sector already in Germany. So I think uh, also the the policies like there's a lot of um, advanced um, incentives that are provided to the end user to the um, the charging point operators. So, but as I mentioned before, I think within this day is actually uh, progressing in uh, many different ways. That every few months you might you might find a new policy any incentive uh, provided for the end user. So I think. Uh, we should see, I, I, I'm not trying to say it would be like Germany or Germany, but I think we'll see very, very advanced um, uh, EV market uh, in the UAE and perhaps in the GCC region as well, because Saudi is also catching up with this uh, very soon. Um, mm. Germany, also the interesting point is you find different models. Um, even the car companies are also electrifying the fleet. Um, you'll find uh, the delivery companies have some, some of them electrifying the fleet. So it's uh, it's getting everywhere as well because it's again it's a manufacturing company, the company that manufacture um uh, has uh, BMW are testing some of their models uh with with Show uh, now, uh, Volkswagen as well. So then land- the landscape's quite different. The other point is actually the weather. It's very uh, hot, very hum- humid weather. So uh, I think when they tried uh, some testing for the Nissan LEAF it didn't actually eventually work for this environment. Okay. That's why you will not find Nissan LEAF in the UAE now or anytime soon uh, as far as I know. So not every, every model is actually suitable for uh, the, uh, the weather in this part of the world.
0: So the suggestion here is that the heat is a disadvantage rather than an advantage. But surely with solar power production, heat and sun are beneficial?
1: Yeah, solar power in general. Yes, as I mentioned, there's so much investment. As uh, you, you might just Google Mohamed Blachet Solar Park and you will be amazed by how big it is and how advanced um, the project is. Um, so there's a lot of investment in solar uh, and, and, and in both Emirates, uh, Dubai and Abu Dhabi, uh, yeah, also Saudi. Um, I think not only even solar, the, the, the other renewable energy sources as well. Hydrogen, hydrogen—it's it's the it's buzzword now. Uh, there's so much investment. Like only two days ago, Saudi Arabia they announced that uh, they have a city, a future city called Neom, which is under construction, and they announced 50,000—sorry, 50, uh, 50 billion dollar investment—and in building the largest facility for hydrogen production in the world. Uh, because actually this in this region, uh, it's the cheapest region to produce hydrogen. So yeah, the conclusion is the solar is very cheap in this region. Um, I don't remember the numbers because I'm not, a, I'm not really a solar expert. But uh, as far as I know, it's uh, uh, one of the cheapest uh, parts of the world to produce solar energy.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. So the next thing I wanted to discuss was the two organizations that you are a member of the Clean Energy Business Council and the Global New Mobility Coalition. What are these initiatives and what are they trying to achieve?
1: Absolutely. So uh, Clean Energy Business Council, or CEBC, it's, um, it's a not-for-profit non-governmental organization. Okay. Uh, it's the only, the only in the region that's focusing on clean tech. It started in 2010, and the main purpose is to act as uh, the voice of the private sector to, to the government and to advocate on specific topics. Uh, right now, it's focusing on uh, three different topics. One of them is e-mobility, the second one is energy efficiency, third is uh, climate finance. But in e- on e-mobility, we started uh, one and a half year ago, I think almost three years ago now, uh, something called Future Mobility Club. And uh, when we started this, uh, it was actually called uh, New Energy Vehicles Club, but the reason why we made it future because we had uh, some companies who are interested in the other aspect aspects of uh, future mobility like connectivity, autonomous. So we decided to call it Future Mobility Club. When we started, we had almost four companies. Now we have uh, 45 almost companies who are members of this. And what we do at uh, Future Mobility Club or FMC is uh, we. Um, Uh, We advocate, as I mentioned, so we meet with the government stakeholders, we try to address the challenges of our members. And we focus on uh, three different aspects. Uh, One is infrastructure, uh, two is regulations, three is the market awareness. So we do um, a lot of meetings with the stakeholders to address the challenges related to these three aspects. We do a lot of events. Uh, to raise awareness. We do test drives, uh, get people in the car and try to make them uh, uh, try and see and feel the 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 AV itself and we uh, publish uh, reports. Uh, So uh, we we have um, a report that's coming very soon about the landscape and outlook of the electric vehicle infrastructure in the UAE. It should be coming out in September, October and uh, we publish a lot of surveys to understand the market dynamics, the challenges, uh, we are the opportunities, etc. It's merely advocacy um, uh, activities and all what uh, feed into this. Um, the CBC, we have um, a very good reputation, I'd say. Um, it's a membership organization, by the way, I forgot to mention that. So, total CBC CBC have over 120 company, company memberships and work with many different stakeholders, including also international organizations. And that will take me to uh, the Global New Mobility Coalition. Yeah so this is actually an initiative by uh, the World Economic Forum uh, it started very recently and it's it's a very uh, much needed and interesting uh, initiative so they started this to mainly uh, advocate on a global level on uh, the uh, case uh, connected autonomous shared uh, electric transportation and they focus on three different three regions at the moment. They focus on China, Europe, and the uh, uh, U.S. Uh, Middle East is not part of this so, uh, in 2020, but we are mainly now members as uh, observing members. We're trying to learn what are the best practices, trying to contribute as much as we can, and hopefully by next year we could uh, have um, uh, GNMC focusing also on our region. And at the same time, we are taking these learnings and trying to apply them and digest them to the different stakeholders here in the region. Uh, so what uh, GNMC has a lot of members, I think it has more than 200 companies. And they do a lot of, um, uh, we do a lot of e-dialogs. Uh, now everything is online. So I've been there in like um, in the last two months. We did like, I participated in like five dialogues bringing the, the key leaders and, uh, and the different sectors, because it's a case, it's not only electric, together and discussing the uh, different policies, regulations, the best practices. I think it's a very interesting um, initiative, and uh, honestly, we've been learn- learning a lot from this. We have um, an event uh, tomorrow, so if we publish this um, uh, webcast today, maybe uh, people will be invited to the event. It's actually today, sorry. They have a very interesting event later today. It's called the inclus- Inclusivity Quotent and it's mainly to address the gender uh, equality and the uh, e-mobility sector okay. worldwide. So and it's open event, open for everyone. Um, uh, everyone will be invited to, to this as well. They do a lot of events as well, very interesting on a global level.
0: They sound like really great initiatives, and I encourage our listeners to check them out. Moving on, I wanted to ask what emerging technologies or developments you're most looking forward to seeing in the e-mobility space over the next five ten years and with particular reference to the uae
1: i think there will be a lot of focus on the uh software about like integrating the vehicle with uh, like the uh, equivalent vehicle to x integrating the vehicle or connecting the vehicle to everything else yes uh i think uh, starting mainly was uh i want to talk about energy so into, uh, connecting the vehicle to the grid uh to your home to your um, so you can uh, it's 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 it, it becomes a very um, so all it's is one package. So you can control everything through your phone, including your home uh, energy consumption, your car uh, energy consumption. Everything is connected on one phone. And uh, the, the potential of this is actually tremendous. Like uh, if you look uh, at what are the benefits you'll get of out of this. Eventually, if you have uh, V2G as commercially available, you can use the car as a battery in case uh, you need to use electricity uh, to the grid, supply electricity to the grid. And there's also so much benefits, um, so many benefits you can get out of this from also um, infrastructure point of view. So right now, uh, um, there's a very interesting story about, uh, there's a district in Berlin called uh, the Dentist District. So it's a very rich district and all of the people there, they own electric vehicles. So what happens is, they used, all of them come out of work at the same time, so they connect the EV to the grid and immediately the uh, uh, the grid can't actually uh, accommodate that much load. So what the, am back then, because I think this like was uh, almost four, three, four years ago, and uh, smart charging and load management wasn't really um, that popular. Uh, So without smart charging and load management, you can imagine how much you are uh, hurting the grid. And now with uh, the technology and smart charging, load management, this is not an issue anymore. You can control how much electricity you are giving to each vehicle. Uh, You can even uh, uh, vary. The voltage are giving to each vehicle. So it's not, it's not an issue anymore. So in terms of the infrastructure, in, uh, in the past, you would have to change uh, your whole infrastructure to accommodate that many vehicles, but now, especially if you have, if, if you have a fleet for companies, etc., uh, with this technology, it's not an issue anymore. And this would make things uh, much easier for EV adoption uh, with these technologies. Uh, Also, uh, Dubai as a city that's always always focusing on, um, I think the UAE in general as well, always focusing on the new technologies and the future technologies. There's a lot of uh, focus also um, on V2G, um, uh, investing in startups and also from the government point of view. Um, I think there will be very soon some uh, regulations. to uh, focusing on this and how um, um, to accelerate the adoption of these future technologies. Um, I think autonomous and the other aspects of um, future mobility uh, in this part of the world, although Dubai is actually very advanced in autonomous uh, already, uh, Dubai is one of the few cities that are already HD mapped. So it's autonomous ready. you can actually um, if if you have a car that's ready to go autonomous on the road, the domain is already ready from infrastructure point of view to actually implement the technology. But I think the maturity of the whole market is a little bit um, uh, not mature yet, and you can see that already once the pandemic started, most of the big companies already phased uh, their autonomous investments because it's uh, it's not the one that would give them uh, the fastest return on investment. Um so i don't mm-hmm. think autonomous will come very soon, especially in this region uh, the the integration between shared and electric is actually a very interesting one as well uh, was um i don't know if uh, if you know that, but this region is actually very car dependent uh, especially the u a e saudi so uh, I, even the the whole country is actually based pelt based on the fact that everyone will have his own car um only recently when dubai um had this vision to uh, have more people using public transportation. They built a very advanced metro lines. Uh, and that was a tipping point when some people actually started to use public transportation, but mostly people using are using their own cars. Um, so uh, that's why the integration between shared and electric and the, the availability of the different shared mobility models um, I think it ha- will have a lot of um, potential in the future. Yes, we have started to see that now there are a few companies and they are providing um, vehicles on shared model. There are even some models uh, of having electric vehicles shared for gated communities. So there's a city in Dubai called Sustainable City. I don't know if you heard about it. Yes, uh, I have, yeah. Yeah, and they have recently launched a program to um, uh, it's uh, like providing uh, bolt. It's, uh, it's a partnership with GM, so they are providing um, uh, Chevrolet Bolt for the residents on a sharing model. I think we'll see a lot of this uh, different interesting models in the future.
0: Amazing. So I wanted to finalize the episode with asking about anything you'd like to plug or promote before we finish.
1: Yeah, I think one last point I would I want to mention is um, maybe the mobility culture of this region. Okay. So as I mentioned, it's it's uh, it's a region that's based on uh, owning a vehicle, and with the pandemic, some people who, who used to use public transportation might start to buying their own vehicles as well, and uh, so the challenge might have increased. Uh, we are actually working now on a study, um, a comparative study comparing. Um, uh, Dubai, we took Dubai as a case study with few other cities worldwide including Boston, London and Berlin to understand the differences and to start looking at what are the best practices to change this. So there was a study that was done by MIT Energy Initiative uh, almost four months ago looking at, um, they have uh, something called called wide School, so it's basically how people um, judge each other based on which car they drive and which model they even drive. Mm-hmm. And not surprisingly, UAE came in the second place worldwide in terms of the car pride. So this is something, again, I, I think the government also um, um, is looking at um, uh, in a serious way. And I think once you flip this, you'll find so uh, much differences. Or once, uh, it will not be flipped um uh, Um, like over the day but I think there's so much effort that needs to be done on this and I think this is the main uh, point that needs a lot of attention from investment from awareness um, from all aspects because there's already a lot of awareness about sustainability in the region which is surprising as well for some people from outside the region Uh, just um, the whole culture uh, If you don't have a car, it would be very strange. Like uh, if you come to a meeting and someone asks you how did you come and you say by a metro or by a taxi, uh, it's not really something that um, uh, people use to it. So um, yeah, I think uh, we need to spend a lot of um, effort to raise awareness from all uh, levels, individuals, uh, society, uh, community organizations and the government to change this. Uh, uh, culture of owning a vehicle and uh, car pride, etc. Yeah, I think that's uh, my uh, last point I want to end with.
0: I think that's a really great place to finish. Thank you, Ahmed.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure speaking to you.
0: Another pleasant conversation and it was great to welcome Ahmed to discuss mobility culture in the Middle East, the UAE's recent surge in EV adoption and Egypt's potential as an EV hub in the future. We'll be back for another episode soon. (laughs) Peace. <laughs>